Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of First Gear. My name is Eric, I'm one of your hosts, and I'm here with Tanner, as always, and we have another really cool guest with you, for you guys this week. His name is Johnny Spa. He's another uh, racer from Iowa that Tanner has gotten to come on the show. Johnny, thank you for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. No, you're welcome. Yeah, you, uh, you're probably the busiest person I know, so the fact that you were able to make this work for us tonight, that's really cool. So. I think we're gonna have a lot of fun you got a lot of stories we could tell <laughs> luckily i'm only having one beer <laughs> man well dude like he said thank you for coming on um our goal here is to like tell the tell the stories of the grassroots guys um there are a lot of podcasts out there that capture um more of your nascar drivers like the cup series drivers famous NHRA drivers and stuff like that. And our mission here is to give a voice to the guys that don't really get that much TV time, unfortunately, the grassroots guys. So thank you again for coming on. And dude, Tanner, I know that you're kind of waiting in the wings there to ask him a bunch of questions. So why don't you go ahead and get started? Yeah. Well, uh, Johnny's been racing a very long time and is still very competitive today. And uh, you got a lot of years under your belt. So first question we always like to ask is, how did you get started racing and how old were you? What'd you start racing? How was that? Uh, started in 1970. <laughs> so I was eight years old and, uh, started racing, uh, mini bikes out here, uh, Anamosa, Iowa, not too far from where Tanner grew up. And, uh, so I started on a Honda mini trail 50. My first race, I, had a Kansas City Chiefs football helmet and steel shank, uh, like hog shit worker boots on. That's what I, <laughs> that was my, uh, I didn't even have a motorcycle helmet on. I had a Chiefs, so I've been a Chiefs fan for a long time. I mean. Well, you and Eric are going to get along very well. <laughs> that is a fact. Uh, my family grew up on the west side of the state, so we're all like diehard Kansas City Chiefs fans. Yeah, I got to race in Arrowhead Stadium twice in the early 80s. I, I raced pro. Pro Supercross AMA stuff like you see on TV, and I got to race an arrowhead a couple times, and that was pretty cool. That is badass. So did they tear everything down, like the goalposts and everything, so that they could make the track? Probably, yeah. I mean, we re I raced that tour for two or three years. We, you know, we got to race in all the big football stadiums, NFL stadiums, and yeah, there was no goalpost, and uh, yeah, I mean, they haul that dirt in there, make all the jumps, and. Uh, it doesn't even look like a football field, you know, when they're done with it. So it's pretty neat. That is freaking cool. What years did you say you did that in the mid-80s, I guess? Um, I want to say probably 81, 82, 83, some, somewhere in that era. Uh, I know I, at least twice, if not three times, I raced in Arrowhead. That's just, I'm going to have to tell my parents about that. That's going to blow their minds. I had no idea they used to do motocross in Arrowhead Stadium. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I don't know, and I think they're still doing it in the '90s there. So uh, you'd have to look that up. But it, I mean, they used to get huge crowds there. I mean, the place was like standing room only. I can imagine. Well, it's like that for the games. I can only imagine what it's like for, you know, something right. as big as Supercross and Motocross races and whatnot. Yeah, we pitted outside, and then we would like ride the bikes through that tunnel down into the stadium, and it'd really echo down through there. So that was pretty cool. <laughs> I don't, you'd always gas it up going through the tunnel because it just like 
amplify itself. Well, you have to at that point. Right. <laughs> Tunnels are made so, for echoes. <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, and they were two strokes, not four strokes back then, so they really had a cool sound to them. And, uh, but, you know, like, I never got to race there because um, I just never made it out to California that early. But they raced in L.A. Coliseum where they play the Rose Bowl. You know, and so they part of that track, if you look back on some old YouTube video, the track went up the grandstand in those those real famous uh oh at the top of that of that LA Coliseum it's got like that big arch mm-hmm. at the top. So you'd go through one arch, make like a you know, a hundred and eighty degree corner, go back through the other arch and then fly down the grandstand. You know, it was all dirt going up and down, but it was like a it was like an uphill and a downhill jump built into the big grandstand at the LA Coliseum. That's freaking crazy. Now they're racing cup series races there, but that's cool that they used to do the, I can only imagine how that would have been. Cause the, the way that thing is shaped, you'd have been able to see like the outside going over certain jumps. <laughs> yeah, that was neat. The we, uh, Anaheim stadium where the Rams played for a while, I believe, and maybe I can't remember who else played in there. In the, that's like the most people I think I ever raced in front of. There was like uh, almost eighty thousand people there watching us. Wow, it was nuts. <laughs> you're, you're out walking the racetrack and checking things out, and you look up there, and all those people up there is pretty wild. Yeah, that would that'd be pretty intimidating. <laughs> yeah, you just had to put it on your mind. Yeah, well, that's what. That's what people tell you if you like qualify for the state wrestling tournament here in Iowa because it's a huge deal. They tell you uh, when you get there, walk out of the tunnel, look up in the crowd, look around, soak it in, and then forget about it. Yep, just look at the mat. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we did all that back then, and uh, that's how I started racing with motorcycles and won a lot of state championships and uh, got. Uh, got third in the amateur nationals in 1979, uh, which, you know, after that you could turn pro. So I went pro. I just never, I should have moved to California. Could have had a ride with team Honda. They wanted me to move out there. And I don't know, my mom and dad didn't want me to leave Iowa and I probably should have went. But, uh, so, I mean, I did pretty good in the pros, but I could have done a lot better if I would have had, you know, wait, you know, we were racing against factory bikes and these guys had everything. And, we had bikes off the showroom floor that we would, you know, do some setup work and pop them up a little bit. But we, us privateers is what they called us, you know, the guys that were the non-factory riders. We were at a huge disadvantage. Uh, if I had known then what I know now about engineering and weight versus horsepower and all the stuff I know about race cars, I probably wouldn't even try racing with them guys. <laughs> they had a huge advantage. <laughs> right. Man, we were all funny. naive and just thought, you know, I'm young and I can beat anybody. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the yeah, mindset you got to have. You got to be able right. to think you could win anything. anything. What kind of bikes were those? Out of curiosity, like what CC were those bikes? Uh, well, I ran 125s for a long time, but then the Supercross stuff back then was all uh, mainly the 250 class. So we ran all the 250s back then. Uh, now, now when you watch it, it's like a 454 stroke or something, I believe. Yeah, 250s and 450s. But back then, 250 was the main bike for the supercross races they had the bigger bikes but that was all outdoor stuff i gotcha so the last year i raced pro was 1985 
and I went to that 500 class because the factory riders didn't have as much advantage with their factory equipment compared to the our showroom floor type motorcycles. So did really well with the 500. I had some top 10s and ran really well with that 500 till I broke my uh, wrist and I had to quit racing. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> 502 stroke, that would be a blast. It was an animal. <laughs> that bike broke my wrist twice. Oh, man. In one year. <laughs> so, two different wrists. But I was getting kind of tired of the motorcycles. I'd done it since I was eight years old. And, you know, I grew up around on the race cars with Daryl Dake. Uh, we can talk about him here probably. But I grew up around cars and I always wanted to do it. And I'd done motorcycles for a long time. And I Kind of getting tired of breaking bones and getting the crap beat out of me. So right. I was like 22 and I thought I was getting too old. So, um, you know, like, I don't know, probably June or July of 1985 is when I made the transition into the cars. So that's when when the car racing started. Man, man, man. So when you started, what was the track in Anamosa that you started at? Well, it's not there anymore, but it's close to where the hill climb is. Okay. It's uh, I think it's called Alderman Road, or is that where Dale lives? Dale's on Alderman. Dale's off Alderman. No, it's right. Chapel. It's like Chapel <laughs> Hill Road. Okay. Um, it's just to the south of before you drop down the hill where the hill climb is. Okay. And there's a housing addition there on the left. That's where the track was at. Really? Yeah. That's yeah. It was a cool. So we raced there, and then they. We're going to sell the land probably for that housing development. And mm -hmm. that's when we moved it out to Windy Oaks. They, the Cedar Valley Trail Riders Association, uh, that's when they moved the motocross out to out by Springville, Windy Oaks. And Windy Oaks, that is, uh, I asked Danny a little bit about it last week, but that's one place that I wish I could have gone back in time to see just because it was right from where I grew up. So. What was it like out there at Windy Oaks? I mean, I heard the track was really fun to ride, and it just seems like that they put on a really good event every time that they had a big event out there. Well, we all had it made, and we didn't know it back then. You know, because yeah. we, you know, we were just a bunch of kids racing, and I guess we all thought it was normal to have a really good track and uh, trails that you could go riding in the woods by the Wapsipinicon River. and uh, There was a swimming pool at that country club and then and they had a really good restaurant and the parents could go dancing and drinking. So, and, you know, it, it, we just had everything there, you know I mean? And it, it just so many people would come out there and race and so many people coming out and watch. I still have people coming up to me today that I don't even know them and they'll go, Oh yeah, we used to watch you guys out at Windy Oaks, you know? So it's pretty wild. That is yeah. Cool. It's, uh, cool. It's a pretty historic track, and uh, like I said last week on the show with Danny, um, I went out there when I was a little kid, and I think it, all that was left was the flag stand, I think, but now it's all farm ground, and I think there might even be a shop out there now, so there's absolutely nothing left of it, which is a shame because of the history of it. It'd be really cool if there was still something there, but... No, I was just out there not long, maybe four or five years ago. Yeah. yeah, it's it's pretty. I sit there and I can still see everything the way it was right. then. It's weird, but uh, yeah, there's a there's a house on the starting line. So that's where the starting line was. Yeah, there's a house on the starting line. So, <laughs> wow, yeah. wow. We'd have been driving through somebody's backyard, you know. <laughs> Forty motorcycles going for one hole. Yeah, that's crazy. Starting starting at the gate with forty other bikes. 
I mean, I got to experience a little bit of it, but nothing to that extreme. But that's them whole shots or something else. Yeah, that's why the race car stuff doesn't bother me too much. You know, <laughs> taking off and with a group of cars, you know, it, it, it can, you right. know, starter races are always intimidating because you get a bunch of cars together, one little mistake and something big can happen sometime. Mm-hmm. But uh, there's nothing, when you take 40 motorcycles going for, you know, one hole, you know, yeah. I mean, it gets, yeah. it gets, you know, I've been run over, yeah, I've had knobby marks up my back, you know, I've, I've wrecked and had them run over me and. You lay under the bike trying to shield yourself, you know, and <laughs> it's like take cover. But, yeah, definitely I've been wrecked a lot on the start of motorcycle races. Back in the day before we had the gates, they had a bungee cord. Oh, wow. Like, oh, a, wow. Rub, like a rubber, like kind of like a medical rubber cord uh-huh. that can be stretched. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so when I first started racing, there'd be like a wooden pole in the middle with a steel pin, and those two cords – They'd hook the rubber cord, everybody be lined up, you know, with your face right at that rubber cord, and then they'd pull the pin and you'd take off. One time I took off too early and it got me in the neck. Oh, so, no, man. Oh, man. That, that'll oh. keep you from jumping the start. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kind of like getting a slap in the face, you know. But, whoa. Oh, yeah. So I was glad when they came out with the starting gates because that rubber cord was nasty. Yeah, yeah, that would have been too. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, we were real fortunate back in the day. We had Windy Oaks and we had Otter Creek up by Maquoketa. That was my favorite track because of just so many hills and natural jumps and everything. And uh, and the track down at Tipton was a real good one. Uh, that was just south of Tipton on Highway 38. So that was a real good track also. And then there was a lot of other ones in Iowa. But those were the main three around here. And that's what I, w- I think the race cars need to adopt some of that thinking at some of the tracks is like they need not to race the same track every week. I wish they'd like race one racetrack one week and then you go to the other racetrack, kind of alternate between two or three tracks maybe. Mm-hmm. It makes it more fun. You don't get burnt out on racing at the same place. Right. You know? That's yeah. kind of my approach right now with the way I'm racing. I'm not racing for points anymore. I'm just racing when I feel like it, and i kind of trying to hit the bigger specials. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of fun just like show up when you feel like it, and you never know where you're going to go. Right, and points racing so hard anyways. It, and like you said, running the same track every single, like, Friday night. So, like, when we would run Tipton every Friday night, yeah, it was a lot of fun. But there's a point in time where you're like, okay, I want to go somewhere else on a Friday night. And well, then you're, you're locked into that's all you can do. It's right. hard It's hard on your family and because mm-hmm. they want you maybe to go do something else. Or right. maybe you want to go to another track and you can't, you know. So right. um, it just it consumes everything. Yeah, well, it it's very true. But, but we've all done it. <laughs> the last yeah, time yeah. I did it was, I didn't really mean to do it in 2021. I won the Farley Track Championship last year. But nothing against Farley. I love that place. It's one of my mm-hmm. favorite tracks. Great mm-hmm. facility. Hope they get it going next year. But I won a championship last year there, and I only raced four or, four or five races. You know, there were supposed to be like seven races. Three of them got rained out, but that was like the, like, (laughs) okay, I won a championship, but I only raced here five times. (laughs) That was pretty weird. That shouldn't happen. What the heck? heck? (laughs) But the most trying year was in 2018. I raced Boone, went over to Boone every Saturday to help promote my stock cars because they're on a big stage over there. They, you know, at the time, 
you know, they were one of the first to have the live pay-per-view stuff for weekly racing. So I knew if I went over there, I could, you know, my cars could get more attention. If I did well, I had to perform. So mm -hmm. we, we went over there and, and did really well, won four weekly races, one more races than anybody, and uh, got second in the points. And it came down to the last night in points. And, uh, you know, if I wouldn't have had this, I had two DNFs that year. And the guy that won, Jay Schmidt, he did a great job, but he didn't have any. If I just would have had one of them DNFs back, I would have, I would have won the championship. So that would have been a big deal. But we still got a lot of attention for doing that. But that was a, that was a tough year going over to Boone. That was uh, 20 straight Saturdays in a row. Man, wow. <laughs> we had one rain out, but we were already there when they rained it out. So that seems but, to be yeah. the common theme. Everybody's always there at the rainouts. <laughs> right. Well, like we said, uh, like we said with Danny, it was either Danny or Ryan, I don't remember, but if you stay home, they end up having the races, and if you go, they rain out, so yep. you're better yep. off going to find out that they're going to rain out. Yeah, yeah, and Boone, you can't take it. It's different than any other dirt track. They got really good drainage there. It's almost like it's an asphalt track. Uh, the water, it takes a lot of water to get that place muddy. The water pretty much runs off of it. And uh, they got equipment there. They they have a jet dryer at Boone. So, I mean, if they have to, they'll bring out a jet dryer sometimes. Holy cow. Holy cow. They have an old jet dryer from a NASCAR track. That's awesome. You guys didn't awesome. know that? I think I've heard of it. I didn't. I probably knew about it, just didn't remember it. But. I've seen it used three. <laughs> I've seen it used three times at the Super Nationals. And you ought to see the guy that runs it. He, <laughs> when he, he's in a he's in a rain suit, you can't tell. He's total mud from face to toe. Oh man! It just, it just this thing just blowing dirt. It's just nuts. <laughs> oh, man. Man. You're talking a jet dryer that you would use to dry Daytona on dirt, right? Like just blowing caked mud everywhere. That's crazy. <laughs> yep, it's, it's like just baking it in a big oven. <laughs> so, not to jump back and forth too much, but I want to learn a little bit more about. Um, about your motocross career. So when you first started, did you just run like regional stuff, like the region 22 stuff, similar to like what Danny did? Yeah. Yeah. We raced the mini bikes and, you know, raced the, it was called district 22 mm -hmm. and, uh, there was different regions and AMA back then. So this middle Eastern Iowa, middle Iowa was in D district 22. So yeah, we ran all that stuff. And then back then they had this NMA association where they, uh, we ran some uh, mini bike nationals. So okay. like the best guys in the country would be there. You so know, would those be like the eighties or. Yeah. Yeah. I rode my Honda XR 75s a lot. Uh, I had a hundred CC Steen motorcycle back in 72 out in California. That was a hundred CC mini bike. Oh, boy. And it, it was wow. a handful. And I was really little and I couldn't handle it, but I raced it anyway. And that bike rode me. I didn't ride it. You know, so um, <laughs> well, I can believe it, but yeah, um, it was a weird bike. It was a Steen. They sponsored me. They were from Ohio. They gave me the bike and, uh, oh, wow. It had a Hodaka motor. Hodaka had their own motorcycles, but the Steen, Steen was its own company, but then they used the Hodaka motor. Okay. And, uh, so then that class also, they had, I had a Honda mini Elsnor. That was a custom hundred CC bike that, um, was not made by Honda. You had to buy it in a kit. And he took a 125 Honda motor and he slaved it down to 100 cc's. So that was a really cool bike. 
and uh, I'm sure it was it was a fast class. You know, it was it was like the best writers would be in that class, and it was really hard. I believe it. There was a lot of guys in that time frame that were pretty fast, right? But uh, so you ran the regional stuff, and with that Steen, would that be like the first sponsorship you got? Probably. Well, not really. Um, we went down to Florida. I don't know what year it was, Jacksonville, Florida. And there was this uh, Jacksonville Honda. And we got to be friends with these guys down there. And uh, they, I can't remember that kid's name from Florida. It was really good. Rhett Ratford. Can't okay. That. Well, I pulled that one on my ass. I can't remember. I remember his name. <laughs> anyway, they sponsored this kid. And he had just super fast XR75s. And they had all this custom motor work done to him. So they ended up sponsoring me. So my, my motorcycle motors, my Honda XR75 motors would show up on the UPS truck from Florida. Really? Yeah, so they were that was pretty cool. And then they sponsored me. So, yeah, that was probably my first one was that, uh, that Jacksonville Honda down there. So were you, like, traveling the amateur stuff at that point in time? Well, yeah. I mean, you would just ride around here. There were so many tracks we'd race mm-hmm. around Iowa. Uh, everywhere then you know we did a lot of big we went to california when i was 10 years old for this big nma race and uh went out to ohio for some big races went to florida for some big races uh there was just there was like all these uh national events where mm-hmm. it would just you'd just show up and everybody that was really good would be there that's from Cal- cool. From California to Florida and everybody in between. So that was completely separate than like the AMA stuff? Yeah, it wasn't AMA. Okay. Yeah, the amateur nationals, like the Loretta Lynn thing, mm-hmm. that came on later on. You know, I ran the amateur nationals, but it was, it was. Uh, I think they did have it for the mini bikes back then, but I can't okay. tell you where it was at. I just remember where I ran the, I ran one in Atlanta, Georgia, and one out in California. Okay, that's cool. Well, that's kind of what we learned with Danny, too. He kind of traveled around to all that stuff. I think he said the Loretta's came around in, like, 81, 81 or 82, I think he said. And he said it would kind of travel around like he ran the year before at uh, somewhere in North Carolina. Could be. I was racing pro then, so I wasn't paying attention. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, and uh, Eric and I kind of talked a little bit with Danny after the show, and we got a bunch of stories out of him, and we just didn't ask the right questions. So, yeah, like, what yeah. were you guys uh, traveling the country, and, like, what was your privateer rig? When I raced pro? Well, when I was a kid, we had, a like, a 1958 Ford bus. Uh, okay. My dad had made it into a camper. So we took that to California in 1972. Uh it made it out there and back, and that was pretty crazy. Just I just raced in Las Vegas, you know, two weeks ago, and I kind of took that same route, that southern route to Las Vegas down through mm-hmm. Mexico. I'm thinking, we did this in 1972 in a 1958 bus. I can't imagine what my mom and dad spent in gas back then. It was probably getting like three miles to the gallon. It was all but, the um, money. Yeah. God. But, uh, yeah, we, we, had them, we had two or three different camper buses. And, you know, then when I started racing on my own and got older, I had vans, you know, and I'd usually have, like, a little enclosed trailer to put the bikes in, stuff like that. Okay. 
Nothing real fancy. So did you have any any crazy stories? Like I know Danny ended up telling us how his dad ended up tying up an axle when he would cross the tolls to save money at the tolls. And then when they come back, they drop the axle back down or something like that. Do you have any wild stories of traveling like that? Danny's dad just meant brought thrifty to a different level. I never knew that. That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. No, and I, I, we, like I said, we just didn't ask the right question. So he was telling us about that. I think he said it was when they were going to Indianapolis or maybe it was to Oklahoma. I can't remember. Yeah. Those turnpikes, they like to, they like to do that. Yeah. He said to save money at you know, the tools. Probably the funniest one is it wasn't funny at the time. Um, we were, my mom and dad would take, we had a trailer at one time. It was a big boat trailer. My dad made it into a motorcycle trailer, and you could haul about eight motorcycles on it. Okay. So we took a – besides my bikes and my brother's bike and whoever else's bikes, we took a bunch of other guys that were good riders from the area. Mm-hmm. And we all went headed out for Houston, Texas, to Rio Bravo Raceway. And I don't know what year it was. I don't know. Uh, somewhere in the middle 70s. And this Ford bus that had made to California and back, my dad and these guys had put a new motor in it. And going down there that in Cameron, Missouri. Okay. Just, yeah. you know, kind yeah. of I don't know, north of Kansas City away, on mm-hmm. 35 towards Iowa. Mm-hmm. I'm driving. I'm like 14 or 13, and I'm hammering <laughs> this thing, and it, and, it, and it blows up. <laughs> <laughs> so we're stuck in this guy's old shop parking lot for like two days. All these kids, my mom, my dad, and uh, the, the motor's junk. So my mom and dad buy a school bus, a regular school bus that was a little bit bigger, and we take like half of the seats out of the back part, mm-hmm. put everybody's crap in there. My dad wants a hitch on it, and we hook on the trailer and take <laughs> off for Houston with this old school bus. And <laughs> my dad never went back and got the bus. Oh, no. No, we never went back and got it. So you brought the school bus all the way back to Iowa. Yep, and when I was racing in Vegas two weeks ago, I I got tired and I stopped in Cameron, Missouri, just so I could sleep about an hour in my truck, you know? Mm -hmm. And and the light, all the lights went out on my trailer. I burned up a wire. Mm -hmm. So I had no lights coming back from Cameron all the way to Cedar Rapids. I I was so tired, I didn't care if the cops pulled me over. I just (laughs) went for it. And... uh, Anyway, but for that to happen in Cameron, Missouri, it's like this place is like my Bermuda Triangle. In <laughs> oh man, I didn't know you had lights go out on the way back. That's yeah. Well, I had it had it had brake and turn, but all the the running lights and mm. all the clearance lights went out. Oh wow! Huh. One one little one little light. A brand new LED light shorted itself out, and then it, it fried this wire. I got out there, Cameron. I smelled smoke, mm-hmm. and I got underneath the trailer, and I hooked this wire because it had been it was like burning in half. <laughs> so, man, that's crazy. That's oh, a long man. trip out there. Man. Oh yeah, that's, but yeah, the motorcycles taught me a lot. You know, uh, a lot of good stock car guys have come from the motorcycles. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, a lot of them. So what would be like some notable riders that you raced against in the pro supercross and motocross um, stuff? Like Bob Hanna, uh, Ricky Johnson, Jeff Ward, Johnny O'Mara, uh, Brock Glover. Oh, wow. 
just a lot of big names back then, you mm -hmm. know, that are super, you know, some of the best that ever existed, you know. So, right. Uh, yeah, a lot of those guys. Just a uh, buddy of mine, Billy Lyles from Georgia. He was a team Kawasaki rider. He was really good. So, yeah, the, you know, I mean, that would, you know, those guys were the, like right now, if you take whoever's the best right now in Supercross, that's mm -hmm. who these guys were, you know. So, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, and, uh, Hannah, that's a really big name that a lot of people probably recognize. I mean, he's one of the biggest names to ever do it. Yeah, I think I don't like comparing race car drivers because mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of good ones. Mm -hmm. And I think we all have our day. I don't like comparing drivers or riders, but I, if somebody, if somebody asks me like motocross wise, I always say Bob Hannah. I always, I, him and I don't know, Mark Barnett was really good too, but, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know, Hannah just, Barnett was more uh, precise. Uh, he didn't make a lot of mistakes. Hannah made like a thousand mistakes a race but wouldn't fall off the bike. You know, it looked like he was always going to wreck, but he didn't. Hardly <laughs> ever. You know? He was just wild. On the edge of out of control. Yes, he was. <laughs> so do you have any favorite outdoor tracks? That you, could, did you run any of the pro, like, outdoor national stuff too? Oh, yeah, a lot. Yeah, I raced at Redbud. And, uh, you know, uh, up in Zumbro Falls, up at, in Minnesota. Uh, what do they call it? It's not really called Zumbro Falls. What do they call it? Uh, that's Millville, right? Millville, yeah. Yep. I raced there quite a bit. Uh, a lot of the outdoor ones. Hangtown back in the day out in California. Saddleback out in California. I raced at Carlsbad. That was a real famous one down by San Diego. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Hangtown, that's, that's a pretty cool race to watch even now today. Yep, then I raced at uh, High Point. Raceway out in Pennsylvania, Mid Ohio. Mid Ohio was a really famous uh, motocross track. That was probably one of my highlights of my motocross career. 1981, uh, they had the USGP where the, all the Europeans would come over. Okay. You know, the Europeans would come over to the United States and, and race one race. Mm -hmm. So all the factory Europeans were there, and I was still, you know, privateer. Steve Boley that turned out to be a good race car driver, you know. Mm -hmm. Steve was with me. He's my mechanic at the time, him and his dad. But it rained, and I was really good in the mud. And that kind of evened the playing field a little bit. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up, I think I got 10th overall that day with the best guys in the world. And I made like 500 bucks, you know. So that was like, <laughs> he didn't make that much race in motorcycles. So that was the most money I ever made on a motocross bike. But I finished in the top 10, you know against all the mm -hmm. Europeans and the best guys in the U United States. So that was a pretty good day. Yeah, I'd say that's a really good day. But it was really muddy, so. So it, that would probably be similar to, like, that uh, MX of Nations that they have at Red Butt every year. Right. Similar yeah. to that. Something like that, yeah. So was uh, the famous LaRocco's Leap at Red Butt when you were racing there? No. That came after? Yep. Danny yep. said he hit it twice. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, they didn't. I don't think. No, I don't think we had it then. But I think that's probably the last pro race I ran was at Red Red really? with that 500 Honda. Man, and I was getting ready to go up to uh, Zumbro Falls, up to Minnesota, and mm -hmm. that's when I broke my wrist at Windy Oaks. And I got up off the ground. I had like half a track lead on second place, and I just hit a rut wrong and broke my wrist. And I was walking up to the truck, and Danny happened to be there. He mm -hmm. was a little guy. And uh, him and Ray are walking with me back up to the pits, and I said, I'm done. He goes, what do you mean you're done? I said, I'm done with motocross. 
I'm going to go race cars. And that's the last time I did it. <laughs> I just walked away from it. So sometimes you just know when you're done. Yeah. Well, and that sometimes it, unfortunately it takes an injury like that for you to finally hang it up because racers just can't quit. <laughs> but No, I just, uh, it was hard. You couldn't get sponsors with the motorcycles and I could see guys that seemed like guys with the cars could get sponsors easier mm-hmm. and that would prove to be the right move because as soon as i started racing cars you know i could get sponsors right so yeah. anyway hold two different worlds that's for sure <laughs> we didn't really fight and argue and have that many problems we all got along pretty well on the motorcycles when i got into race cars it was like <laughs> okay it's on now <laughs> <laughs> oh man so you said 1985 is when he started in the cars. What did you start in? Uh, they called it the bomber class back then. So that would be our third guest we've had that started in the bomber class. Me and, yeah. me and Ryan yeah. started about the same year in the same class. Me and Ryan Dolan. So, yeah, they'd line us up, you know, two or three wide. I think he said three. Three, I think, from a standing stop. <laughs> you know, and we'd all just... Like it'd be like something you see like on Dukes of Hazard or something. Like, Here you go, boys! They throw a flag and we'd all take off, you know. And, and and there was no cautions unless somebody was in really bad shape, like they're going to burn up. They just leave the car sit on the track, and you'd have to like. I remember I was leading a race at Hawkeye Downs when it was dirt, and there was two cars on the back stretch, and they were like a chicane. So I'd like go to the outside of one and go to the inside of the other. So I had to do like a chicane on the backstretch <laughs> to miss them. It was like that road course at Daytona where they got that chicane on the backstretch. Oh, about, yeah. It was about like that. Oh, oh my gosh. It was, a, it was my sister's like 69 Camaro. Yeah. So there is a little backstory to that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so how did that come about? Well, I needed a car. <laughs> she didn't want it because something was wrong with the motor and knowing what I know now we should have kept that motor because it had double hump heads which were a pretty good performance head mm-hmm. back then but nice. Uh, nice. She, she was mad at it you know <laughs> and, and it was a pretty decent Camaro it wasn't real rusty in today's world it'd be worth a lot of money right so this was pretty stupid what we did but um, <laughs> she said she didn't want it so these two Two guys were with me. They're pretty big guys. It's Cupcake and Schmitty. So she goes, you can have it. I said, okay. <laughs> so she comes back a few hours later, and we're out here. And right when she pulls in the lot, I was torching. There was flames inside the <laughs> cockpit, and Cupcake was on the back of the car knocking the rear window out with a sledgehammer. That's right awesome. when she pulled up, she goes, I'm just kidding. I was just kidding. <laughs> Too late now. <laughs> <laughs> They're still going back from here. <laughs> no going back after that. It was pretty rough by the time she got there. So, Oh, that is awesome. But she did. I would not have done that. She honestly said, I don't want this car. Or I would not have done that. Right. She sure made me feel guilty for a while. <laughs> I could imagine. <laughs> well, you can't change your mind after a couple hours. You know, you give people the green light. They're going to go. <laughs> it probably didn't help that my dad bought her a pacer. After that, uh, <laughs> one of the worst cars in the world. She ended up with a pacer. She went from a Camaro to a pacer. Just, well, at least the Camaro turned into a race car. Right. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, we started in that class and ran. I didn't even make it a season. It was rough. They wrecked. Yeah. They, they, it, they were just mean. It was not fun. 
and I mean, I, I don't know how many tires and rims we went through, and uh, we got down to Tipton. You know, I didn't start till like mid-season of 85. Okay. And so we get down to Tipton late in the year, and we're at this race on a Sunday night, and, you know, the next class was the pro stock class. That's mm-hmm. what I wanted to race. And I got the wheels knocked off at the heat race or something, and, and I came in, and I, my dad happened to be in the pits. We usually didn't put him in the pits, but he was. <coughs> and I said, I'm not racing that class anymore. <laughs> so I went and borrowed some wheels from a pro stock guy, and I switched to pro stock that night. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> I didn't do very good, but I, I didn't care if I got lapped 100 times. I wasn't racing bomber anymore. Did you at least keep, well, get to keep the fenders on the car in that class, though? It was a little better. but <laughs> <laughs> So the, this this gets really good. So the next race is going to be the Yankee when it's still at Hawkeye Downs when it's the okay. biggest race. And yeah, it used to be our last race of the year around here. It's been like second week in September. Mm-hmm. Shit, now we race till November around here. Anyway, I don't have a good motor. So Steve Bowley's running a modified at the time. He's got an extra motor. So we put this really good motor in this piece of crap car with not a very good. <laughs> it didn't have a racing seat. It had the factory Chevy seat. Oh, boy. And... uh I never raced on big tires before, really. So we put this big motor in this thing and better tires, and I got to Hawkeye Downs, and I went in the corner, and I could I was hanging onto the steering wheel. My whole body wanted to go out the passenger window. <laughs> so <laughs> I, being a motorcycle guy, I still had, like, motorcycle straps in my hauler. Uh-huh. So they strapped around my body, like with ratchet straps, for the feature to hold me in the seat. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, if something would have happened, I don't. I never would have got out of that car. There were so many straps around. So never that was pretty stupid. That was pretty stupid. Oh man! Thanks for a great story because you survived, though. <laughs> right. Oh man. That uh. I don't even know what to think about that. I don't either. Held in by ratchet straps. You would have to cut them or start yanking really hard if you were going to want to get right. out. At least you were on hooking one set of seatbelts to get out in an accident. You're, you're trying to click like four or five of them, you know, and, so, and find them. <laughs> oh, man. So that was that was the last race of that year. So then we found this old pro stock over the winter before the 86 season, and did a lot of work on this old Camaro and it was an old late model and I made it into a pro stock and had to do a ton of work to it. And luckily Daryl Dake was a really good late model racer and a good fabricator and one of my good friends. And I wore him out, bringing him up here, having him show me what to do, but that's how I learned how to do what I'm doing nowadays. Cause he just did it. And were you doing everything out of this shop here? Well, next door we had this little building. Okay. You remember that old building over yep. there? Yep. Yeah, that little shop, you know, had a wood-burning stove and had an arc welder, didn't have a wire welder. And oh, wow. Didn't have electric shears. You had to, you know, cut uh-huh. everything by hand and <laughs> hand-pop rivet guns. And But anyway, we got that old pro stock going, and I ended up winning six or seven races that year. And I think I blew up about seven motors. <laughs> I was building my own motors, doing everything, and finally I, I went down to Daryl and I said, hey, can I come? I need to come in your shop, and you need to show me what I'm doing wrong. So I went to Daryl's, and we figured out what I was doing wrong, and uh, I didn't really have problems after that. But I, lo- I learned to keep everybody out of the shop when you're building a motor. 
I wouldn't even let my mom in. My mom would be knocking on the door. And I'm like, nope, build a motor. You got to go away. <laughs> <laughs> you got to concentrate. Yeah. concentrate. Well, yeah. I know because one time I left the cam bolts loose. I got distracted and left the three bolts loose on the timing gear. And oh, man. I'm out in hot laps, and this motor's just kicking ass, and it's going to be really good. And all of a sudden, I felt something weird, and I shut it off. Well, here I left. I left the bolts loose on the cam, so the timing gear came off. Oh, man. So, yeah. So, after that, it was like, no, I don't care who you are. You're not coming in here when I build the motor. Yeah. I mean, I'm even kind of that way at my day job right now, too. When I'm rebuilding, I usually have headphones in and just kind of keep to myself. And Right. Yeah. Any time I've ever been working on something and done something that intricate, I'm just like, leave me alone. I put my headphones on or whatever and just like, Mm -hmm. yeah, you don't exist for the next three hours. Just leave me here. (laughs) Yeah, that's why it's hard here building race cars because I got all this walk-in traffic during the day and got to stop and go, stop and go, stop and go. That's why I got to work at night, work about 70 hours a week because can't mm-hmm. get enough done during the day, and luckily I, I have uh, Dylan Elledge that works here full-time for me now. He gets a lot done during the day, but I mainly get stuff done at night and over the weekend because right. I can lock the place up and not get bothered so much. Mm-hmm. And it's not, you know, it's just it's not being bothered. It's just part of business, but, you right. know, you, we're so busy right now being like 10 or 12 cars behind, it takes a lot of hours to get all this stuff done. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure, especially with what you're doing, man. Um so for those that don't know, what do you do like in your shop? Because um, I don't even honestly know what all you guys build up there and everything. Well, I've been racing uh, for eight years, the IMCA stock car class, you know, on dirt. And uh, it's a big class nationwide. And that's the main car that I'm building. And I build a few hobby stocks now and then, but uh, mainly building these stock cars. And I can't keep up with it. I know we're building a good product. The cars are running great. Uh, got up getting more good drivers in them every year. You know, Tanner's going to be in one this year that or next year. That'll be pretty cool. But I'm getting all over the country. I got two brothers in California that have two of my cars. I got a uh, father and son down in Kansas that have my cars. Um, so we're getting them all over, and we're just doing really well with these IMCA stock cars. That's awesome. What kind of motors do those things run on average? Oh, it's it's a pretty simple motor. I mean, for a guy that knows how to build motors. It's, that's what I like about the class. Um, you, it's one of the few classes left where a guy could still build that motor in his garage and go out and win races. So it's kind of, it's pretty old school, really. A lot of them don't, but some do. Uh, we were doing that here at my race shop. We don't even build motors here. We were doing that, but then I got hooked up with this performance concepts and Marion and Steve that owns that. He, he helps me out. And so this friend of mine, uh, we call skinny. His name, real name's Dave Manthe, but Dave goes over to Steve's shop at Performance Concepts, and they build my motors over there. But um, if Steve wasn't helping us, uh, and I'm glad he does, but if he wasn't helping us, we'd still be doing it here on the sheet metal bench when we need to and just lock the shop down and not let anybody in, and we build the motors. And, you know, the machine work, I'd have to, you know, that has to be farmed out, you know, mm-hmm. outside the shop. But yeah, as far yeah. as putting the motor together, ordering all the parts and doing anything, you know, we... That's what's cool about the class is you can still do that if you know how to build motors. And there's hardly a class left like that nowadays. Right. That is a fact. Most of them are sent out to some special builder and it's super expensive to get anything built now. It's crazy. Oh yeah. They're I mean, the good motors for this class, if you buy a really good one, they're they're like eight to ten thousand dollars. So they're getting up there. Right. But just like everything. 
Yeah. yeah. We're, we're living in Joe's world, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. That is a fact. <laughs> Andy Ikes. <laughs> but so uh, I know we conversation, it gets carried away. But so when you were getting help from Daryl, was he still full time in the late miles at that time? Oh, yeah. When did he quit racing? Oh, I got to race with, you know, I had a dirt late model that I was just kind of playing around with having fun because I was mainly an asphalt late model guy then, you know, mm-hmm. and I missed dirt. So I just had this old dirt car we ran on Saturday nights at Liberty, but that was like 92 or three. I'd say Daryl's last year was 93. Okay. I'm pretty sure it was 93 because that I got to race with him. I never thought I'd actually get to race with him uh-huh. and I did. I got to race a couple races at West Liberty with him, so that was pretty cool. That's cool. That's awesome. I mean, he was he was the man around here for a very long time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fifties, sixties, seventies, and uh, you know, he did and he did well in the in the eighties too. He just he would get tired. You could see him getting tired, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, those I don't know those guys they didn't keep themselves in as good a shape maybe as we do nowadays. You right. know, a lot of smoking and stuff and. <laughs> You know, I turned 60 this year, and I still feel like I did when I was in my 20s in a race car. I don't feel any different, but, um, yeah, I don't know. You didn't see a lot of guys driving when they were old back then. Not too many. Right. Unless you're Red Farmer. That guy's, like, <laughs> almost 90 years old, and he's still wheeling on a dirt late model down now. Oh, my Alabama. gosh. I saw a picture of him on Instagram the other day just wheeling around a track, and I was like, how old is this guy? He gets out of the car, and it looks like my great-grandpa, and I'm like, you're still driving? Holy crap. That's and awesome. he just had like major heart surgery and something stuff like that. Something. Yeah. Yeah. So when I was in Vegas two weeks ago, <laughs> speaking, you know, I'm standing there talking to Billy Moyer, me and him go back to the motocross days. And, uh, you know, Billy's 65 and he's mm-hmm. still wheeling a car really good. Mm-hmm. He got third that night in Vegas, you know, and one of them young guys, like on a restart, drove across his nose and made him jump the cushion, about put him in the wall. And they went down the back stretch and I was standing in three watching and, Billy just drove across the corner and he made that guy jump the cushion coming off four and the guy hit the wall. I just repaid him right away. It was pretty funny. You know, so <laughs> it's like, okay, he ain't lost no fire. You know? No. No, I guess I forgot that you uh you ran some motocross with Billy. That's pretty cool. Yeah, me and him were talking about it a little bit. Because I haven't really talked to him much since then, you know. He mm-hmm. went off and became a big late model guy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we, we stood there and we were watching some races in turn three and had a really good talk, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. I would, uh, I haven't had the chance to meet Billy yet, but that'd be really cool to meet him sometime. Yeah, I wanted his opinion on uh, what right retire or what. I was concerned about my tire making 100 laps that night, so I didn't mm-hmm. know whether what we should do, you know, whether I should run a tire that wasn't grooved in sight so much or, mm-hmm. you know, so he came over to my trailer and was kind of giving me his opinion, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Yep. So, uh, when did uh when did you make the transition to the asphalt stuff? Was that after the pro stocks or did you run that for a while? When was that? So I ran that pro stock class in eighty six, eighty seven, eighty eight, won a bunch of races. The last year I won seventeen races in eighty eight. And would have won a lot more, but my main car got totaled out at mid season. I had to go buy another car and it took a while to get it running as good as that other one. But uh then in eighty nine I ran a dirt modified for this Rod Wright. He owned the Hawkeye Refrigerated Trucking and this Ride Right Racing. And okay. I was working for him, and I had a full free ride in that modified. And uh, 
having doing really well. Won like seven races my first year in the A mods. It was doing good, and I was ready to. I actually went and bought a late model. I bought Daryl Dake's late model, okay. and I was going to be dirt late model guy. I was lining up the motor and this and that. And or no, that was before the '89 season. I got the free ride, the modified when I when I was going to become uh, when I had my own dirt late model. Okay. So I never raced that late model because I got the free modified ride. Okay. So after the '89 season, me and Rod, or I was working for Rod Wright and Mike Frieden worked for Rod Wright. And Mike was one of the best, you know, modified builders mm-hmm. at the time. And I'm working with Mike, and I'm learning from Mike and um, building cars. And I'm going to be in one of the house cars. You know, I'm going to be in a really good, uh, really good modified for that 1990 season. That's awesome. Rod approaches me and says. I want you to race asphalt because Hawkeye Downs out here in Cedar Rapids had went asphalt in 1989 and we all just protested the place and hated it that it went asphalt. And he approaches me and wants me to run asphalt. He says, I'll give you a free ride. I want you to race Hawkeye Downs on Fridays and La Crosse, Wisconsin on Saturday. La Crosse was a NASCAR track. So, uh, I did. That's how I got thrown into the asphalt thing. I didn't want to do it, but I'm like, I couldn't turn it down. Right. Mm-hmm. And asphalt did a lot of good things for me. Uh, so it's a good thing I did do it, you know. So, uh, you know, I got to do a lot of things that I wouldn't have done probably if I just would have. And, you know, I, I kind of wish, who knows where my path would have led if I wouldn't have raced asphalt. Who knows? But right. It, I don't know. Because the asphalt thing ended up being a big thing for me in the nineties, as far as business, you know, we were real busy here building cars mm-hmm. in the nineties. And, uh, we, we got lucky, got lucky. Hawkeye downs really struggled the first few years. It was asphalt. Then in the middle nineties, it got run, It got going really well because NASCAR went through that growing spurt mm-hmm. where like everybody wanted to go watch a NASCAR race. Mm-hmm. So Hawkeye downs, our weekly track out here, They'd get two or three thousand people. They averaged probably twenty five hundred to three thousand people in the stands on Friday night. Some of those. That's days. crazy. Wow, that's awesome. And, uh, you know, we'd have like twenty five to thirty late models, and uh, so it was busy. So it, yeah. you know, it was a good thing that I want asphalt to reap the benefits of mm-hmm. what happened at that time period. You know, so. Um, it didn't last real long, though. It lasted probably 10 years like that, and that was about it, if that, yeah. you know. Oh, wow. So, so that, that was when I went asphalt, and uh, did well with that, won a lot of races. And Is that what led into the ASA stuff, when oh, you yeah. started traveling a lot? Yeah, you know, once you race weekly and you're doing well, well, now you want to do something bigger and better. Mm-hmm. And everybody, you know, if you're kicking butt weekly, you think you're the next NASCAR guy. <laughs> right, right. You know, so... Um, <laughs> I you know, if I could have been in really good equipment back then, I'm sure we could have done well. But I just never got the chance to do it. And uh, so I, but I got to race for this guy out of Des Moines, John Lumberg, and you know, in 1999 and 2000, ran this NASCAR Remax series. Oh, okay. it was a touring. It was a touring division, super late model stuff. And we got to race quite a bit with the Craftsman trucks or the Bush cars back then. That mm-hmm. you know. So we'd be like down at I seventy, you know. We ran at I seventy with those. You know where I seventy's at? Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 So I ran there when it was asphalt, and uh, like one time we were racing there, the Craftsman trucks were there. So like Ron Hornaday, Jack Sprague, all them guys were there. Mm-hmm. 
And then we raced with them at Gateway at St. Louis. Um, you know, we'd race with the bush cars and the trucks. And then out in Colorado at the Colorado Springs, that mile track out there, oh, we, yeah, we, yeah. we'd be on the same picket with them there. So, yeah, I got to do that. That was a really neat division. That is really so cool. How long did you do that cool. traveling ASA stuff? So ASA, that same car owner, he wanted to go ASA in 2001. Because, you know, all the races were live on TNN back then. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. So we did, and I was a full-time racer then. That was like the only year that I got paid to be a full-time racer. You know, I didn't really have a job then except I raced. Mm-hmm. And uh, traveled, you know, all over the country and drove the hauler. And uh, we just didn't have the money or the crew to. Right. We were up against some big teams back then. That's crazy. Who did you have for sponsors during that? Well, that McLeod. Okay. Here, from yep. here in town, yep. you know, that yep. you know the telephones and everything. Mm-hmm. That was one of them. Then we had that Medicap Pharmacy, and then Prairie Meadows uh, over in Des Moines. Yep. Prairie Meadows sponsored us, and but you know we're up against these teams that could go testing all the time, right? And then they had pit crews that they flew in, you know, and my guys were just donating their time. Mm-hmm. So yep. it wasn't yep. their fault, but sometimes I'd come in on the, like say I'd be. If up in the top 10 on the lead lap and I'd come out like the last guy in the lead lap and you know I so said you're always fighting from like 20th place to get back up front and mm-hmm. it's just uh it's a tough deal if you don't have the resources yeah so we did well though I think I got 11th or 12th in points in ASA in 2001 oh nice and oh, nice. Uh, got second in the rookie Johnny Sauter happened to be okay have a breakout year that year and he won the rookie thing and won the championship too Okay. So Johnny Sauter was, you know, you know, he won a ton of races that mm-hmm. year. I actually became really, really good friends with his nephew when we were racing the Northland Tour asphalt go kart stuff. Michael was there racing every week, and uh, I think that's Tim's boy. I believe so. Tim Sauter. Yeah. And then yeah. Johnny and Tim's brother Jim, he was there as well. So he was helping Michael in the pits and everything. Yep. So. We got to know the Sodders really, really well, and that yeah. was that was a lot of fun. They were they're sharp guys. Oh yeah, yeah. Their dad was too. You know, and he's a real famous racer, mm-hmm. Jim Sodder. Mm-hmm. I got to meet him mm-hmm. a few times. But mm-hmm. so yeah, that's you know we got to do some big time asphalt stuff and travel the country and ended up winning eight late model championships out here at Hawkeye Downs. Uh, one year in 1995, I had built this, uh, rebuilt my car and did some really technical put a whole new front end on it, did some stuff that people weren't doing back then, and uh, won like 20, I think I won 20 out of 22 races that year. <laughs> That's awesome. <So> almost, <laughs> yeah, I had a great year. <laughs> yeah, I remember as a little kid going to Hawkeye Downs with Dad, we go to the Miller 100, and I remember watching your race there, and right. I think there were some other big races that we had went to and watched, but yeah, that Hawkeye Downs used to be a really big deal. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard somebody new bought it. Really? But I can't say who right now. It might be a good thing. So Cell Site Tower sold it? I think so. Nice. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, they got a pile of dirt out front. Maybe they can make it a dirt track again. <laughs> right. That would be great. <laughs> I think that would make a lot of people very happy. Well, I always tell everybody, not. I'm not ever going to, you know, ditz on Hawkeye Downs. Because, mm-hmm. like I said, Asphalt did a lot of good things for me. But you got to do what's good for the time period you're living in. Mm-hmm. And I could see the asphalt thing not working out there in the early 2000s. 
that's and I knew if I didn't go back dirt racing, I wouldn't be able to have a race shop. You know, so I knew I was going to have to go back and get involved in dirt racing mm-hmm. because I could see the asphalt thing wasn't going to sustain. I couldn't sustain my business off of that. Right. So that's why I went. Not the main reason I wanted to race. You know, I like racing dirt too. Mm-hmm. But I, so I wanted to go back dirt racing and, and help the business. And then that's where we're at today because I made that decision. And I wish they would see that as the racetrack needs to make the same decision. You know, you did good. Right. You did good for a while. <laughs> Mm-hmm. but you know yeah that's yeah. why they tear buildings down and build new ones in the same location because that building didn't work out you got to build right. a new building so just, right yep uh yep. things need to change so what year was it that you went back to dirt um 2003 that was when i was starting <laughs> <laughs> 2003 I, I uh i was out working out here at arlo becker's race shop and I was driving a modified for them guys, and so I 2003 and four, and uh, then in 2005, I didn't have their modified anymore, so I went back racing my asphalt late model for a while, and jeez, uh, raced asphalt. I raced. I only raced my asphalt car like in 2005 and six back in that era, mm-hmm. so I could get sponsor money to get a dirt car going so i, I, I knew you. i could get sponsors for my <laughs> asphalt car mm-hmm. so I, my thing was okay your name will be on two cars mm-hmm. you know yep. so right um so i had to kind of take one for the team on that one i didn't really want to be out at hawkeye downs but i did it just to right. help my dirt program basically <laughs> you know so <laughs> so were you building were you building dirt cars yet uh started building some uh i mean i had built them back in the day you know, mm-hmm. but I, then I got away from it. So back in, what, 2006, built Brad Dirks, that new modified that he ran really well with in 2006. And okay. then I got my own car going right at the end of 2007. So modifieds were the first cars you started building when you got back into the dirt stuff. Right, right. Yep. And I had still been building some hobby stocks and stock cars, too. But, you know, uh, the main thing was modifieds to me back then. Mm-hmm. No, the the modifieds. I love the modified you built for us. That car was that was probably to this day one of the best cars we ever had. They just they handled very well. Yeah, I miss driving the open mod. That was a fun fun class. That and Danny and I kind of talked about that on here last week. That class just used to be a lot of fun, right? Because we could get like twenty four to like twenty six cars every night, right? And bounce between a handful of tracks and. It didn't seem like it stuck around very long. Well, it did because it's just the IMCA thing took over. Right. Because they all used to just be one modified. Mm-hmm. You know, then IMCA kind of went one way and the open mods or like the USMTS mod, they went another way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's kind of how that happened. Yeah. Well, and there's, I think Danny was saying 2017 was like the last year that there was any sort of open stuff because I think he said that's when he was going all the way out to like Mason City. Right. He could have went to West Union though. Like West Union's USRA. Oh yeah. So yeah. like West you can go to West Union on Friday nights and, and run USRA up there or you go to Webster City on a Saturday night. Okay. So but, there is some other choices in IMCA, just not very many. Right. Well and then you gotta factor in traveling again, which Right. Yeah. yeah. When you're limited to two tracks that's tough to justify running that 
Yeah, we're all really lucky around here. We have so many tracks so mm-hmm. close. You know, we're really spoiled. People don't know how spoiled they are. <laughs> yeah. These guys out in California and Arizona, all of them, they'll be like, oh, yeah, we, we're going to go racing. I mean, it's like four or five hours away. And mm-hmm. that's just normal for them. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, if and I got guys around here, they bitch if they got to drive more than an hour. Yeah. You know, so <laughs> you guys got it way too easy. Well, and like running the midget stuff, I mean, we had a lot of fun with it, but that that's what was killing it for us is we had to travel so far. I mean, there's so many tracks here that could run them. Right. But they just, they don't come this way, which has always kind of blown my mind with the sprint car capital of the world being in the middle of the state. But they just don't get them. No, they just, they don't come around here, which is pretty unfortunate because they're some of the best shows out there. Right. Yeah, I don't know. It's never really taken off around here. No, because I know way back in the early 1900s, like uh, the 40s and stuff, they had all the midget races around here. Right. Like Seymour Acres and... Uh, oh, Hawkeye Downs, Des Moines, all of them. Yeah. All the tracks. Yeah, that's, that's too bad. I wish it would take off here because it is a lot of fun. They yeah. actually ran them at Hawkeye Downs on the asphalt quite a bit. They would bring him in a couple times a year. Yeah. Like Bob, I, uh, like uh, Kenny Irwin, you know, he ended up dying. But Kenny mm-hmm. Irwin raced mm-hmm. out there. Uh, I know Schrader raced out there, and J.J. Yaley raced the midgets out there because I remember going so to a did, couple uh, of them. Uh, oh, what's his name? He drove for Everham. He owns oh, a, Casey uh, Kane. Casey Kane, Casey yeah. Kane was out yeah. here racing. Yeah, so there's been... There was quite a few big names that came in and ran the midgets out here. Yeah, and the, the asphalt midget stuff is pretty much non-existent anymore, too. Right. I mean, they run at IRP every once in a while, but yeah, for the most part, it's not really a thing anymore. It's half-mile track, and they were running, well, the wing, the winged ones. I like that when we ran the late dirt late models on asphalt, mm-hmm. we were hauling ass, mm-hmm. and we were like in the low 18s seconds. They were like in the 14s <laughs> <laughs> on a half mile. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, that's that's really moving around there. Cause, yeah, nuts. That's crazy. That's faster than Bristol. Like that's hauling. Yeah, that's getting right with the program. I've never seen a wing sprint car pavement race, but I could believe it that they're fast. Oh, uh, it it looks like they're gonna fly right off the track. You know, you know how they stay on there. But you know, there's so much downforce of that right. wing. I put a wing on my asphalt late model once for a crazy race for this. Mm-hmm. Thing. It was a run. You could do anything you want at this race, but you had to run dirt tires on your asphalt. Okay. Okay. And, and it was on the quarter mile. It wasn't on the half mile. It was like some turkey derby or one of them turkey races. So Arlo, this guy I worked for, had a sprint car wing up in this barn <laughs> that he had put on a modified one time. I'm like, where's that sprint car wing? So we went and grabbed it and we mounted it on my asphalt car. Well, we couldn't get it in the enclosed trailer with the wing on it. Mm-hmm. So we made it so you could take it on and off. So we roll the car out, and everybody's like, so, yes, Spa's late model, who cares? Well, then we come carrying this wing out, and we bolt this wing on this thing. <laughs> it was almost a full, it was like a second faster lap time with the wing on the car versus with it off there. That's so and, crazy. And I <laughs> lapped everybody but second place. And the thing was just... There was dirt late models and modifieds and everything racing that day, and they had way more horsepower than me, but I was just 
killing them in the corners. <laughs> it was just nuts. <laughs> that, those wings really make a big difference. Because they used to do like a cheater's night out there every once in a while too, didn't they? Where you could that's do stuff that, like that. That's Is, what that, that was. What that was? Yeah. I gotcha. Yep. Because I think Dale said he even did that a couple times too. He might have. Yeah, we should talk about when they ran the your, the late models on the asphalt once a year. Yeah. I think I remember going to that once. But I don't I don't really remember. <laughs> yeah, up here uh once a year the Deary Brothers IMC late models would run take the dirt late model and run it on a half mile asphalt track. <laughs> and some of the guys would take it serious and set their cars up. I was real busy setting people's cars up back then. Uh, like Tyler Bruning that's doing really mm-hmm. well right now, and you know with the open late model yep. stuff, you know, like I set Tyler's car up back then for it, and um, he ended up doing really well. He got second or third that night, but uh, I won that thing a couple times. Should have won it probably four or five times. Just had some bad luck, but uh, things happen, crazy things. <laughs> but uh, anyway, that's the most fun I ever had on asphalt was running that dirt late model around there. Man, you could just. You could just go as hard as you wanted to. It was a ride. You couldn't spin them out. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) The tires would, like, a regular asphalt tire, a a slick, you know, you're always on the edge, and when you get past the edge, you know, Mm -hmm. you you spin out. The dirt tires, you were, like, just kind of, like, sliding, but the thing would catch itself. And so you could just drive balls (laughs) out, you know. It was was fun. Man. Yeah, that sounds like but a lot of the guys wouldn't take it serious, and they'd be wheeling, and they just smoked the tires all the way down. The, you know, I mean, just it was just, I mean, it was crazy racing. And yeah. I, I'd be lapping people, and they, you know, they don't believe in layover flags. There's no mirrors, there's no spotters. So mm-hmm. I get these guys running too wide in front of you, and you got to try lap, you know, splitting them and make it. It was just nuts. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm pretty sure we went to that. I'm sure we went to it a couple times because I'm sure Dad went to watch Dale. But yeah, and Dale I, drove it too. Man, I don't. That yeah, would Dale be, did well, really good one year. I think he got like third or something one year, and almost yeah. won the thing. It's pretty funny when you get him talking about some of those stories like that. <laughs> yeah, he did really good at it. Yeah, that would be uh, that'd be quite the ride. <laughs> yeah, it was. But you could just—you didn't have to have like a really sophisticated car. You could take like that old GRT car I drove at Dale's. It's just no bent up GRT car. Mm-hmm. It was a hundred years old, you know. And, <laughs> but I did all the right things to it to make it handle. And uh-huh. I had it handling like a Formula One car. You know, the thing just did <laughs> some asphalt tricks to it. <laughs> well, and it's funny. It up to like a few years ago, that car was still racing a little bit, right? Because I think Wayne was driving it, wasn't he? Yep. And they should have never cut that car up. Should have saved it. <laughs> that thing was. It was old. Right. <laughs> Man. Sounds like a thing was bad fast. That's cool. It was insane fast. It was, I can't tell you how much faster this thing was back then. It was, <laughs> I mean, not getting, you know, bragging or cocky, but we were, the one year, I don't know how, we had a big lead, and I forget how far I lapped up to. I mean, I've just had the thing, you know, I had an advantage on those guys because I knew how to set up an asphalt car, mm-hmm. you know, and then I knew how to, you know, drive them too. But the biggest thing was setting the thing up there. You know, there's a lot of things you got to do different for asphalt and dirt. So, right. Yeah. That... The biggest thing was probably the J bar or paying our bar on a dirt car mounts from the left frame rail 
mm -hmm. over to the center of the rear end because that moves your roll center to the left. Mm -hmm. So the car gets over, you know, real hard on the right for side bite. Well, you don't want that on asphalt. Right. So right. I'm, I moved the panar bar from the right. I mounted on the right side of the car. But to do that, I had to run it right through the center of the lift arm. So I ran, I ran, I ran the panar bar through the lift arm, and I, you know, and then I ran uh -huh. and ran it real high compared to, you know, dirt, and uh, you know, so it was probably five or six inches higher off the ground than it is on a dirt car. But I ran to do that, I had to run it right through the center of the lift arm. So <laughs> that was probably the biggest thing that made it handle different everybody else. Oh, I believe it. And it wasn't anything that cost me any money. I had some old parts laying around here, and mm -hmm. I just kind of welded some stuff together, and you know, that's the part. Some of some of the part in racing that's missing today is you can't be creative. They want to make a rule for everything. Every right. time you want to be a little creative on something, that, you know, that's going to maybe help you, and it's actually legal. Right. Then they come up with right. a rule to make it illegal, and it and it, it wants. But you can do the same. You can get the same result by going and spending a bunch of money. Mm -hmm. Yep. Not picking on IMCA, but like they won't let us put a chain. Right now on these stock cars, we can't just run an old, go to the hardware store and buy a $3 piece of chain and bolt it to the frame down to the left front lower A-frame to keep the A-frame from dropping. But mm -hmm. we can pay a bunch of extra money to have somebody shorten the shock up and it does the same thing. <laughs> you know, so it just things like that don't make sense to me. Yeah, it, I guess everybody's just rule makers, not rule breakers. <laughs> right, right. Well, if it's going to help some guys out, I mean, loosen up the belt a little bit. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I'm well, just like in driving, I tell people, you know, it's the same way with the rule book. You don't know where the edge is at till you go over it. Oh, 100%. You find it one way or another. Yep. <laughs> Either you wreck or you get disqualified. Yeah. Um, so, so probably going to run a little out of time here. Um. So do you have like any me like super memorable wins or championships that you had in either whether that's in the motocross days or in the big car days or one of each? Is there any that really stick out? I don't know. There've been a lot. So <laughs> it's, it's you know a lot of years cuz I'm right. cuz I'm old, but um there's just been a lot of good memories. I mean, I did a lot with motorcycles. Mm -hmm. Um I don't know. When I won the Miller 100 out here in 1992, that was pretty cool. Uh, you know, because I was just kind of becoming one of the bigger name guys at the time, you know. Mm -hmm. and hadn't won a lot of late model races, and then I went and won this big, you know, 100-lap race and mm -hmm. did really well. And then kind of that kind of launched me into the asphalt world pretty good. Uh, that year in 95, winning all them races, that was just crazy. Just mm -hmm. like, I mean, it was just a crazy year. And, uh you know, things lately, like in 2018, I won the, uh, over at Boone, I won the, my A main qualifier on Thursday night to get into the big mm -hmm. race. Had like, I won that by like four and a half seconds that night with some really good drivers. And there was even some really good mod drivers and stock cars that night. Mm -hmm. So, uh, that was a huge win. You know, I'd never done that before at Boone. So that was pretty cool. Uh, just, just a lot of races, you know, uh, Liberty 100 in 2011. I hadn't won a race at West Liberty since 1988. Mm -hmm. So I was what? How many years is that between wins between 1988 and 2011? <laughs> Quite a while, right? So uh, I won the Liberty 100 in that Open Modified that year. 
you know, came from 11th and came up through there and won the race. And that was, that was probably the most surprising. I knew I had the car to do it, but nobody, it's like nobody could believe it happened, you know, because <laughs> we hadn't won at West Liberty for so long. Was that the year that dad threw that rag in your trailer? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, your, your chemical rag. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Tanner, when he came from the go-kart world, all those guys know how to do is sniff glue. You know, they just soak in their tires. And they all think they're they all think they're chemists, and so his his trailer, just because it was a go-kart trailer, you could smell it across the pits. Oh my gosh! You know, like the tire softener crap. I mean, yeah. it was just. It would, it would give you a headache just walking by it, you know, and you, de- you definitely didn't want anybody smoking around it. So, I mean, and uh, his dad had a rag in there or something that from the go-kart days that had a bunch of old tire crap on it. And he put it in my trailer, like, you know, so I like somebody think I was putting that crap on my tires, you know. <laughs> That's hilarious. That yeah, I think you. Uh, I think you've made a comment about the smell of that trailer every Saturday night at West Liberty. <laughs> oh, it smelled terrible. Smell like oh man, it was, I hate that smell. It just smells terrible. <laughs> I can only. There was a lot of chemicals that ran through that. <laughs> but yeah, we. Uh, that was always. I always really enjoyed getting to pit next to you guys down there at West Liberty, and then getting to drive one of your chassis and. It was almost being like teammates there for a while, and that was pretty cool. Right. Well, we're going to get to do it this year. I know. But I don't want you to get butt hurt if I do a diamond line on you. <laughs> when, well, he, when he was a little guy, he got all butt hurt because I did a diamond line on him one time at West Liberty. He go, oh, you almost ran me over. <laughs> hey, he's lucky I had good reflexes, and I knew to let off. He was going to take my nose clean off. I knew you'd let off. <laughs> Tanner, yeah. you should have been faster than that. What the heck? <laughs> he well, was, he was doing really well for his age back then. That's for sure. Yeah, it. Because uh, you were uh, only what fifteen? I think we got. Oh boy, we got. I think we built your chassis in twenty thirteen. I think so. I would have been going into my freshman year of high school. So probably 14 or 15 at that time. Right. Cause that, I think we ran, we ran that stealth car one year in the B mods and then two in the A's. And then we went to your car and ran that like a year and a half. Right. But he'd always bring up that every time. <laughs> hey, I can still remember it clear as day. I don't, I, I wouldn't have even known it was happening. It happened if you wouldn't have brought it up. <laughs> Well, you were going to hear about it. It doesn't sound like Tanner's over it yet. He never will be. Nope. John is going to, he's going to go to his grave getting told that. Well, he always ran the diamond down there at West Liberty. So he'd go all the way up almost to the wall. And then he would cut down and come out on the bottom, coming out of the corner. And I was right beside him. I mean, my right front tire had to be on his door, if not right behind his left front, and he just cranks that thing over. I'm like, come on, man. You should have known where I was going. <laughs> well, I did, but I figured if you would have seen me there, you wouldn't have kept going with it, but you did. I didn't see it. Yeah. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> no, I <laughs> I was looking forward. No, that's uh, 
That'll probably be the inside joke forever. Right. <laughs> That's funny. There'll be more of them with the stock car. The stock car thing gets pretty, uh, it's a tough class. It's it's tough. getting very competitive. Very competitive and uh, <laughs> very, very aggressive driving. I'm not going to say dirty driving. I'm just going to say very aggressive mm-hmm. driving. So. Yeah. Well, and I think yeah. I think running the open wheel stuff the last couple of years, I think that probably will help me with that. Because those guys, I mean, it is right. It is balls to the walls, wide open. Mm-hmm. Yep. When the green flag drops, oh yeah, better go. They're savages. So. I watch them down here, and it's the same thing. Like there's just a bunch of cars wadded up on top of each other. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Well, and I honestly, I think the chili bowl is probably what helped me the most with my race craft. Because I mean, it is. It's like life or death down there because everybody, the heat races are really short and you have to qualify if you even want a chance to be somewhere high up in the alphabet on Saturday. So, I mean, you got to get up on the wheel and go. And I think that's probably going to help me going into the stock cars, but I'm, I'm getting excited, especially now that we're getting closer to having it done. Right. Yep. I'm looking forward to next year. It's going to be pretty cool. Yeah. Too bad. I got my son Bronson. We got him a car that, uh, he hasn't ever raced before, except the go-kart a couple times. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's going to be quite a year next year. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Too bad I didn't follow through with it and build that car in 2018 when I was working for you. Right. <laughs> I don't know. That was uh, that was just a very rough time of my life. So, <laughs> exactly. I think it. Uh, I think it's all working out fine now. But no, I'm. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting to race with you a bunch again. Getting to race around here. It was fun to go do something different for a little while, but getting a race around here again is going to be a lot of fun. Right. Yeah, I don't know. They're, they're, they're advertising like Farley might come back and run some races. So I hope so. Yeah, that would be cool if they did. Because when I ran that late model up there, I think that might have been two years ago now. Right. It was. And that was the first time I had been on it since they completely rebuilt the place. And Did you like it? I liked it. The car didn't handle very oh, good. No, that was a crap car. <laughs> We, uh, That's why I didn't want to drive it. That's why I had you drive it. <laughs> well, I found out really quick when I went out for hot laps, and I had that thing. I mean, I was trying to throw it in as just hard re- as I could. Just remember, if I'm turning down a ride, that means it's probably not very good. Well, now I see where I stand. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't that bad. I, I thought, you know, it. I thought maybe you could tweak on it, and you weren't doing anything else, so I thought it'd be good for you. To no, do it. it was. It ended up by the end of the night. We did. We made it like night and day better right the start of the night oh boy that thing would not turn i mean i could throw that thing as hard as i wanted and it that's, would not turn that's the problem i had with it I, it would turn uh-uh. i mean you would be like full crank on the every wheel every time i get in a late model lately they don't turn my stupid old stock car <laughs> handles better than these late models i mean it's just like jesus yeah i drove that late model down at burlington this year mm-hmm. at that lucas race mm-hmm. terrible you know, and it, it was just because it wasn't set up right. We didn't have time to work on it. And, right. You know, but yeah, it was, it was disappointing, but it was just set up and that's a whole nother world there that I don't know anything about anymore. Either, uh, so. Especially the late models now, even from when we were running them, we were competing against the technology now when we had it and we had an old car. So it just, right. The technology in the late models anymore is insane. So you're in St. Louis. Yeah. Yeah, I'm down in the St. Louis area. Do you go to Gateway then? Oh, yeah. I try to go as much as I can just because it's so much fun. 
Right. Yeah, I've got to race there. I've raced there uh, three times. So that raced there twice with that NASCAR. No, I raced twice with the NASCAR Remax Series and once with ASA Series there. I was going to ask you, so. what were some other uh, notable names like from the ASA Series that people would recognize now that you got to race against? Oh. Back, well, you had Johnny Sauter, you had Gary St. Amant, Bob Seneker, Mike Eddy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, gosh, there was a lot There was a lot of good drivers in that series back then. Uh, there's this, uh, Robbie Pyle from Ohio, um, uh, Joey Clanton from Georgia. I think I think him and Shane Clanton are brothers. Okay. Shane, Shane Clanton runs yep. the Dirt Late Mile. I think mm-hmm. they're brothers. That makes sense. So there was just a, you know, there was a lot of Johnny Spaws in the ASA series. There was a lot of guys that uh, were good weekly racers mm-hmm. that had won a ton of weekly races and championships mm-hmm. like me. But, you know, they didn't have, their dream was to go say race this ASA thing. And, you know, unless, yeah, you could go race it if you could get a car going and everything. But you, you had a hard time competing against all the. Right. Those big teams, you know, but at least it was, ASA was a great series. At least it gave an outlet where you could do it. You know, I mean, you mm-hmm. could go run, if you had enough money, you could go run two or three races a year. Maybe not the whole thing, but at least you could go run something and get yourself on TV. And yeah, if you happen to do good, maybe you get a ride with somebody with a big team. You mm-hmm. know? So that's, that's where that was at back then. Oh, and other some other guys back then. There was Kevin Sawinski and Mike Garvey. Yeah, um, they drove yeah. the. Uh, They're from. Well, the team was based out of the Minneapolis area, but they had like Tecumseh and Texas Roadhouse on the cars. So, they all the cars that year in two thousand one. That back then they all had LS one Corvette motors. So that was like the first uh, uh, fuel injection motor I ever raced. You know, they were fuel, okay. they were fuel injected. Oh, that's cool. So I got a quick story about I got a quick story about your St. Louis track. <laughs> yeah. So I'm down there in 2000 at the last ASA race. We just had this old kind of crappy car with an old Pontiac body, and this car owner wanted me to drive it. So I'm driving it, and that throttle linkage could run a cable or a heim joint system. Yep. And there was like 70 cars there trying to make probably a 30 car field, maybe. And I didn't quite make it in qualifying, so I'm in this last chance race, and you had to get probably top eight or six or something. But I'm in this last chance race, and you know we're, that track's a mile and a quarter. We're hauling ass. Yeah. And yeah. I'm going down that front stretch, and the throttle sticks wide open, and I'm underneath two guys passing. I'm going into turn one. Oh no. So all I did, I had to get qualified. The th- throttle sticks wide open. I for a second, I'm going straight into the wall. I just reached over and I shut it off past those cars, turned it back on in the middle of the corner, and I had to do that for, like, the next 15 laps. Okay, that's crazy. <laughs> you know, so I, I, I had to get it qualified. I couldn't give up. You know, so right. I, I just kept you. I'd shut the motor off. That'd be like my break. I just mm-hmm. I'd shut the motor off and let it the motor kind of slow it down, then I'd turn it back on. And yeah, what happened was yeah. the air, we were going so fast, you know, on that mile and a quarter, the air pushed the hood down and was, like, sticking it on top of that throttle link. You know, wow. So, kind of freaky though, because that's the same night that this friend of mine from uh, Kansas or Missouri, uh, Tony Roper, died that night in a NASCAR truck. Oh my gosh! Down at the, at the Texas Motor Speedway, that was the night that Tony died. Yeah. 
Um, you know, wow. there's a, you know, so it's kind of a freaky day. I got a story about that. I used to work for the guy that um, owned his truck, um, the Mittler Brothers truck. That's what Tanner was telling me. I got a lot of Mittler Brothers stuff here. Do you? <laughs> so <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's too bad about Mike passing away. It was a that was a tough day. Um, I got a text message that he had passed away, and that man helped me out more than what most people will ever ever realize. Um, and made like a kid's dream come true because it's always been something that I wanted to do was go to a NASCAR race as part of a pit crew, part of a team, you know, whatever. And whenever we went down to Kentucky Motor Speedway, it like I got the pass and it said pit crew, and I got to go like hand the guys the fuel help make adjustments do everything you know in the pits as well and it was just a mind-blowing right. experience he was the nicest guy um yeah i mean i could always if i had a problem with something i could you know call and ask him or talk to him about it you know so that was pretty cool super you know with the equipment oh yeah super super intelligent man too um could li- oh yeah literally tell you anything that you wanted to know about anything it seemed like yeah he uh Helped a lot of guys out. He got what Carl Edwards and mm-hmm. uh, Jamie Murray, all them guys going. You know, so uh, yeah, I got to race with Tony a uh, little bit. And Tony ran some ASA stuff, and then we yeah. got to know yeah. each other racing down at Lebanon, Missouri. Oh no, joke! Uh, we were racing oh, down no there joke. at Lebanon in like 1990 in these asphalt modified. Yeah, so that is that was, that was a that, that is such a fun track. I love going down there. Yeah, it's one of my favorites. I, I really, it's so cool how the fans, you know, the grandstand, it's, it's in a bowl. Yeah. So yeah. the grandstands are looking down on the track. That's awesome. And the backstretch has two terraces. Yep. So like yeah, okay. they just park their vehicles back there on these terraces and they just sit back there tailgate and watch the races. Kind of how far they used to be. Right. But it's got two terraces, you know, and it's That's like, awesome. and when you pull in there, it's like you're pulling into a state park. Yeah. <laughs> it's like this yeah. nice asphalt road that winds up around these hills and everything. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty, pretty and then wild. All of a sudden, I mean, there's a racetrack. That, that place is so much fun to so set up for. I love going there. I love going there. Oh, yeah. So that is sparked a memory that Danny told me I needed to ask you. He said, ask Johnny about, um, pulling out of the pits at the Memphis motocross track. Oh, <laughs> when I got stuck in the mud. <laughs> he didn't say any details. He just said, uh, ask Johnny about getting out of the pits. <laughs> yeah, we were racing motocross down there and it rained and rained. and I got my van stuck and I kept trying to get it out and I just got stuck worse. And finally, the old, <laughs> old farmer had to pull me out with the tractor. Everybody told me not to go down this hill and I did and I got stuck worse. And <laughs> That was a crazy day. Craziest thing about that day was we got rained out, so then they, they used to have this at the Iowa State Fair. It was called Iowa Jam. Mm-hmm. They'd okay. have, like, Ted Nugent and all these, you know, mm-hmm. you know, rock stars. They'd have, you know, a bunch of them playing at one time. Mm-hmm. Well, we can't race motocross, so now we're going to go to the Iowa Jam. So we take off for the Iowa Jam. You know, after we got rained out down there, we went to the Iowa State Fair to watch. Then it got rained out. <laughs> <laughs> The only thing they got done was beer that weekend. <laughs> That's awesome. That's Plenty awesome. of beer to be had. Right. Man. Man. <clears throat> so, uh, another thing that just popped in my mind. Did you race motocross against Jimmy Johnson, too? Ricky Johnson. So, they're not related. 
Oh, okay. But story there is, you know, I hadn't seen Ricky in years. Mm-hmm. You know, and he was one of the best motocross guys ever. So he starts racing cars and, like, stadium trucks and stuff. Okay. And uh, I knew that. Well, he's driving some ASA races. Ricky is. Well, then they're talking about this Jimmy Johnson kid. Well, I'm working on people's cars here in town, and Ricky gets a hold of me and says, hey, I want to come over and see you guys. So me and Ricky Johnson and Jimmy Johnson, and Jimmy's not the Jimmy Johnson we know nowadays. You know, he was just a nobody then. Mm -hmm. We all go to, like, Chili's here in town and Mm -hmm. eat dinner, and we're talking, and I ended up racing some guy's ASA car. I wasn't even supposed to be racing that. You know, I got thrown into this car, so I ended up racing against those guys. And that ended that race I was in that night with Jimmy Johnson. That was his very first stock car race ever. Oh, wow. really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So then he ended up coming back to Cedar Rapids another time for another ASA race. You know, and uh, he didn't really have anybody to hang out with, so he was like here working at the shop with me. And help. I was getting ready to go to Minnesota and run my weekly car. Mm-hmm. He's helping me load the car in the trailer. He's a really nice guy. Then it was his birthday, so we kind of <laughs> we we're all up at Checkers partying because it was before this ASA race. So mm-hmm. my brother, my brother Ray, had that Shelby Cobra kit car in that convertible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Ray gave yeah. Jimmy and Jim. We got him drunk. He was drunk. So Ray, <laughs> Ray was feeling good, but uh, Ray gave him a ride in his Cobra for his birthday. So that was nice. pretty cool. <laughs> that is just crazy. So how old was Jimmy at that time? Oh, probably early 20s, I imagine. That's... This would have been like, what year was that? Probably about 1998, somewhere in there. Oh, wow, yeah. Something like that. That's just crazy. Oh. The trajectory of that just is insane. Because by oh two he was in his rookie right. season in NASCAR. Yeah, he just got catapulted you know i mean he was he was doing pretty good in that bush series and jeff gordon saw something in him yep mm-hmm. i saw something in him when i watched him race i could tell that you know he made some moves that were pretty good you know mm-hmm. i'm thinking this kid's pretty good you know he could just stay it back then mm-hmm. so uh mm-hmm. but you know when he got hooked up with chad canals you know, and I, I raced with Chad Knauss' dad, this John Knauss from the Rockford, Illinois area. He's a really good late model racer. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember Chad when he was just a kid on his dad's team. Mm-hmm. And then he ends up being like the best crew chief ever in NASCAR, you know. So it's weird to have, you know, kind of been tied into these guys a little bit, you know, throughout your life. You know, you just right. kind of stumble across this stuff, you know. Sometimes yeah. you feel like Forrest Gump. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, man that's... yeah. I guess I never knew the full story of your connection with Jimmy. I thought you raced motocross with him, but no, with Ricky Johnson. And then okay, him and Ricky were both from the El Cajon, California area. Yeah. Oh. Okay. And yeah. Ricky was older by quite a bit, but they were just happened to be neighborhood friends, not related. And uh, that's they just you know so that's how that all came about. That's crazy. That's... That's wild. So people associated with Johnny Spall usually turn out to be pretty good race car drivers. Noted. <laughs> <laughs> the pressure's on Tanner. <laughs> That's where I was going. <laughs> yep. Now, now I can't suck. Yep. No excuses. <laughs> right. But no, you're. Uh, it's crazy. Some of the people that I've got to get introduced to throughout some of the NASCAR world too. It's crazy how many of them actually still know you or know you pretty well and 
your name's known all around. That's what happens when you're old. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've been racing a long time. You've been there a long time. Yes, we have. Been uh, what, uh, fifty-two years racing. Wow. So still going strong. Yes. Yes. Just did that a couple weeks ago. <laughs> <laughs> so, do you have any plans for like twenty twenty three to race or anything picked out yet? No, no, just kind of go with the flow. I'm waiting to see if they're going to run our cars again at Bristol. We've, I've ran Bristol the last two years, and that's just like the funnest thing to to drive on, you know. And uh, I bet that's. I don't think we're going to get to do it again. That really sucks. That's awesome. That was really. If that could be the last time I ever raced a car, I'd be happy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if I could get out of the car at Bristol and go, I'm done, I'd be happy. Yeah. Because <laughs> it just, you know, it, it's it's just a it's a whole different thing driving a car around there. I could believe That's it. Just wild. If you want to go fast and you want to drive hard, you can do it there. Yeah. If you, you know, and if you got a good handling car, you can take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the banking's tall enough that you're not going to like do anything wild. Well, you can. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't. You didn't see what happened to me there last or earlier this year in March. So, so when uh, does that class or when did that class race? Like during the week, or was that leading up to like the truck? Like what? Three weeks before the NASCAR race? Yeah, something like okay. that. They don't do a good maybe job a of month. Whenever that kind of stuff goes on, it's always visit. Yeah, they had the. Uh, we were racing with the, you know, the dirt late models, you know, it was this uh, XR series. So Jonathan mm-hmm. Davenport, you know, all them guys, you know, uh, Jimmy Owens, all of them are down there racing and they were racing for like 50,000 to win oh, wow. and, or more. Uh, so we were running, you know, you know, we're racing with those guys, you know, we're in the pits with them. We're doing, you know, so it's pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Hopefully they do it again. I know we'd love to go to it, but. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's not sounding too promising right now. I don't know. Well, the Bristol dirt's been kind of hit and miss. People either love it or they really, really don't. Like, it's either one way or the I other. Think the NASCAR, I think the NASCAR race this year, the cup race, was really good. Mm-hmm. I, I thought so, too. If they wouldn't have had all the rain delays, I but, think it would have been a really good race. Right. It was a good race. Yeah, yeah. it really was. Uh. It was better. It was a lot better track than the year before for me. It got tore up pretty bad the oh, year yeah. before. Yeah, they were, yeah. You know, and they learned what to do to the cars, you know, to make them a little mm-hmm. bit better. But my brother-in-law Dale Fishline works for Stuart Haas. You know, he's one of the main guys on Kevin Harvick's car. He's the like shop foreman, nice. you know, at the shop nice. with him. You know, I you know I'm like asking him a couple of years ago when they were going to do that. I'm like, well, I would do this and I'd do that and I'd raise the fuel cell up and. He's like, they're only letting us do so much. You're not like letting them make them into a full blown dirt car. You know what I mean? Yeah. They gotta, they they're not letting them do as much as I'd like to do to one. <laughs> right. you know that? that sounds familiar. <laughs> Whenever I was helping out with the trucks, it was the first like year that they went to Eldora. That was kind of the same story. They weren't allowed to do like a whole heck of a lot as far as setup goes. I think that's a year Bloomquist raced one, and I don't think he could do things that he wanted to. That's why he didn't do very yep. good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But I think he ran one without a sway bar or something. Everybody else left the sway bar on, and I think it ended up kind of hurt. Yeah, he did something kind of oh. off the off the cuff, pretty wild to try to make some ground, but it just didn't wind up working out. Right. We got lucky that Bobby Pierce and then uh, Justin, his name was Justin Jennings, were both really good dirt track racers that were 
drivers for us and they had a setup in their mind that they wanted to do and it just worked like ended up getting top fives both years in a row yeah i, I uh i taught justin jennings his first time in an asphalt late model hawkeye down really yeah yeah they approached me and uh they would race hawkeye down so when he was real young they uh they brought him up so i i did that a lot with people they would like pay me to teach their kid yeah you know, so yeah. I go out there, you know, and show them how to, you know, do everything. And, and so kind of have a, ask, you know, a driving class. Yeah, for sure. And got to be really good friends. They were really nice people. They always pitted by me there at Hawkeye Downs there for a couple of years. Oh, yeah. His family is amazing people. I got to meet them yeah. during the truck series days and stuff. And that was just a blast. Super nice guys. They were more than willing to help do anything. It was awesome. Right, right. Yeah, what's is, what's he doing? Is he work for a NASCAR team or something? Yeah, I believe he is actually yeah. at Penske. Um, he, I know he was on the Xfinity Series teams for a little bit, um, but I think he's moved into setup. He's a whiz whenever it comes to setting up the car, chassis, air pressure, you know, getting everything ready to rock and roll. Right. Well, that's cool. Yeah, he's a good yeah, kid. He's very smart. He learned a lot whenever he was working at Mittler Brothers with Mike Mittler and then Mike uh, Kendall, the guy that's uh, been there Kendall, for the guy that, that was there for like thirty years, was there the entire time that they were racing the trucks. That's the guy that nobody knew his name, but he was the man back there building the trucks. <laughs> huh. Yeah, I talked to Mike Mittler's brother out the PRI show. I two thousand nineteen I went to the PRI show and his brother was in the booth. I was talking to him about some things. You know his brother at all? Um, I never. I don't think yeah. I've ever met him. I I never knew. He, I guess I that was the first time I had talked. To oh him. really? Yep. Yeah, I, I broke one of their pipe vendors, <laughs> so they had to build me a. <laughs> I was doing something I shouldn't have been doing on it. I broke it. <laughs> They're like, we never had one break before. <laughs> well, well, here's the first. <laughs> well, you have to it only made them better. So there you go. <laughs> Right. I was bending some two inch stainless that was a one twenty wall two inch stainless for this company and it this big ram part of this big part of this tubing bender just it was a Friday night and I was in here by myself and this thing just snapped in half and I thought the world came to an end. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I could that imagine it's scary. <laughs> yeah, that cost me about six grand. Oof. <laughs> Ugh. I had to buy a new tubing bender. <laughs> Not cool. Man, that's crazy. I've never seen one of those break either, so I don't know. Just dang. Right. There's a big solid, solid serrated piece of steel underneath there that has teeth in it. Yeah. It that's what goes back and forth that that hydraulic air over hydraulic ram pushes yeah. on. So all that force is on that bar. That whole bar to split in half. Holy shit! You know, so. <laughs> yeah. so the the new tubing bender came with a bigger bar in it. It, you know, so it was rated for uh, heavier. It was heavier too. Oh my! So far, that one's working okay. <laughs> <laughs> Until you get some stainless in here. Right. Well, I'm still doing that. Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> Any more crazy race car questions? 
Man, I don't, I don't know. It would be pretty easy to sit here and talk with you for probably five hours about it, but I'd have to get another beer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I know you're busy and got a lot going on, yeah. and we want to be respectful we, uh, of your time more than anything else. Yeah, we definitely can have you back on again, and sure, it'd be cool to have you on next year after we get racing a little bit, and right, get doing some of that. But no, uh, we got a pretty good amount. Looks like we're at about an hour 40, so that's yeah. pretty right. good. All yeah. right. But, uh, no, thank you again for coming on tonight. Um, I think people are going to enjoy it. I'm pretty sure your name has been mentioned in almost every episode no. so far. <laughs> Everybody's got a Johnny story. but It uh, has been every episode because you even did, like, whenever we were kind of telling our backstories for the first couple weeks a little bit. And right. his name's been on every episode. I would bet a lot of money on it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I uh, – like I said in my post with the one for Ryan, I had two local heroes growing up, and that was Ryan and Johnny. And uh, Johnny's been pretty much a mentor for me ever since I got into cars, and I'm very grateful for that. And I'm really looking forward to uh, racing with you again next year. And you've always supported me. You uh, kind of took me under under your wing there in 2018. Right. I was going through a pretty rough patch of life there, and. Uh, I got laid off from the worst job I've ever had, and well, then it should have been a good thing. Yeah, <laughs> it was. There was a there was a lot more going on during that time, but uh, right. No, I'm very appreciative of it. Um, no, we're sometime. all just we're just looking. I'm you know I like seeing you know I'm looking forward mm-hmm. to my son maybe trying to race you know next mm-hmm. year. I like seeing you young guys get in there, and somebody's got to take our place. You know yeah. we can't do this forever. And uh, yep, there's times I wish I still worked here. <laughs> I can't afford you. (laughs) (laughs) That's either a good thing or a bad thing. (laughs) But Johnny, kudos to you because you're doing the same thing that was one of the reasons I respected Mike so much. Um, He would take guys that probably didn't have a, you know, shot or, you know, didn't know anything or whatever, take them under his wing and just turn them into really good race car drivers or help them out or give them a shot. I think that's amazing and really cool what you're doing that. Yeah, I I enjoy that part of it. I enjoy, you know, like this, this year I had this one customer, uh, Sean Bisline. Uh, you know, he ran good with his other stock car, but not, you know, he didn't run that great. You know, he ne- definitely needed help. Yeah. And he got a new car from me, and it's like the light switch just flipped when this guy got this new car. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was, like, challenging to win some races and won a heat race, and I was like, it's just cool seeing the, mm-hmm. the progress, and, you know, and the same thing with Dustin Viss. Mm-hmm. One of my customers, I got second at Bristol this year in this Dustin Viss one. Yeah. First time in this new car we built him, and, uh, you know, he's won a lot of races. He's done well in the past, but he had, for the last few years, he hadn't really done that well. He had a lot of mechanical problems with his other cars and stuff. And Anyway, he goes and wins Bristol the first time, and then he, he ended up winning like 11 races this year. So, uh just really cool to see people, you know, go out there and, and perform, you know, with something that you're a part of. It's pretty neat. That's freaking awesome, man. Um, thank you again. I'm just going to kind of close this out here. Yep. Uh, I just want to say thank you again for taking a couple hours out of your night to, you know, talk to us and share a little bit of your story. And we're definitely going to have you back on. Uh, anytime you have time, uh, you have an open invitation to come on the show anytime you want to. So it's always there. All right. Sounds good. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Uh, Tanner, you want to 
give everybody your Instagram handle? Yeah, my Instagram is at underscore Tanner Allen underscore. And then you can also follow me at Tanner Allen Racing on Facebook. Those are my two most active platforms. And uh, you can follow us at First Gear Podcast on everything. And again, please share the show if you guys enjoy it. Um, we've been getting a lot of really good feedback lately. And hopefully we can keep the good guest uh, quality going. And uh, again, please share the show. Uh, and we'll take all the feedback we can get. Uh, we're doing much better than we expected. Um, I haven't looked lately, but we did crack the top 100 like a week or two ago. Yeah, so it's, it's stayed pretty good uh, yeah. in the top 70. I've been watching it. So like, and that's in that's awesome. an all automotive podcast, which kudos to everybody sharing the show. Thank you for that. So if somebody wants a race car built that Johnny, what's your, like, how can somebody get a hold of you to get a car built? Um, I'm on Facebook, you know, I got a, a business, you know, uh, Facebook page, you know, Johnny Spa Race Cars. Um, I'm pretty easy to find. Oh. We're in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And, uh, you know, you just, like I said, I'm on Facebook and you punch in Johnny Spa and you'll, you'll find me. Awesome. Well, again, man, we appreciate you coming on and thank you guys for listening to this episode. We'll catch you all next week. See ya. See ya. <clears throat>